Namaste. So now we come to the last part of the Life Divine. In the first part, Shurabindo reveals to us what are the constituent elements of this creation and how it has come into being. So all that about the constituent elements, matter, life, mind, physical existence, the layers of being. And then he reveals to us how it has come into being, how it has come, the whole process, supermind as a creator, how it secretly determines all the things from behind, the determinisms. And then the previous part which we read, as a result of this process, there are several seeming contradictions come into being. And that's where we see the previous part was the infinite consciousness and the ignorance, If which is the... Uh, question that strikes us most that if this creation is the uh, it's a creator is Sachidanand, his pure existence, true existence true consciousness, infinite consciousness, infinite force infinite bliss, then how come what we experience is just the opposite so uh, there are several ways people have tried to explain it, one of them of course we know is that all this is an illusion and then there is a qualified monism and various kinds of uh, dialectics. So, Shurabindo um, skirts through all of them and comes straight to the point that, well, there is this infinite consciousness and there is this ignorance. He doesn't shy away from the first facts of existence as they strike us. This is something very beautiful. For instance, he doesn't say, no, 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 there is no evil, no suffering, it's all in the mind, illusion. He says, yes, it is there. Then he puts it in its place, in perspective, and shows us what is its purpose in the grand scheme of things. Not purpose in the sense that, well, evil is there so that you can remember God more often. Not one of those things, but how it came and what is its purpose in the total scheme of things. And now he comes to in the last part, which is book two. And book two, part two. The part one was knowledge and the ignorance. The knowledge and the spiritual evolution. So now it comes to why, why this creation. So we have the what, we have the how, and we have little more uh, understanding about the dualities, the opposites, and reconciling them. And now it comes to, he takes up the, uh, the, the big question of, is there a purpose to this creation? And this is important because very often, even today somebody sent me a, YouTube video of some Swamiji saying, you know, what Shurabindo has said is something which so-and-so great yogi has said, Vedantic yogi and all that. I said, all that is fine. This is, uh, anyone who has gone through the metaphysics of different systems understand this. One knows, there are common elements. But let us also focus on what Shurabindo has said, which nobody has said. Not because it gives us a feeling, oh, look here, there is superiority in for Not at all. But there is this unresolved puzzle of human life, the riddle of life. To say that all this is, you know, the thing was that this is like a qualified monism, visishta advait. That's how people put it. That uh, there have been yogis who say that the world is also real. And uh, there is the supreme who is real. I said, okay, but what is happening here? <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> I mean, all that is perfectly fine, but is there a purpose? That's where we see Shurabindo brings out something very, very unique. And it's about the evolutionary transformation. This is nowhere else which we find. Now, Vedanta does speak about evolution of consciousness. 
and tantra speaks about the evolution of form the transmigration theory but again it stops with man and beyond man there is nothing but the glorious door through which you enter into the silence of the absolute now again after such a long journey 84 lakh journey or whatever the latest census is i don't know you end up in uh, you know few minus plus give and take but at the end you land up in a strange situation that you are back to absolute and with an impoverished spirit and there is another you know we find something unique about shirbindo he speaks about not just a world affirming spirituality the gita also speaks about that uh, but world fulfilling spirituality so it is about the integral fulfillment and that's where we find the real answer to the cosmic puzzle because an average human being how much ever he may go shell out money take a course in nirvana in his life he seeks fulfillment whether you uh, i mean this is the secret now nirvana freedom can be a step is a step because unless he uh, extracts the soul out of the entanglements to ignorance it can't go towards fulfillment but yet even in ignorance what human being strive for is fulfillment even after attending all the lectures on nirvana they still in their everyday life seek for this fulfillment that's what shivinda says the will of the divine is for fulfillment and then he says yes there are souls who are tired who get um, exhausted by the long journey and they need rest some need rest for a short while some want permanent rest is perfectly fine that is valid that there is a side door through which you can move out but this cannot be the will in creation and here he reveals all that fullness in this wonderful last 14 chapters the knowledge and the spiritually evolution so it starts with a very interesting chapter reality and the integral knowledge so we all hear about you know one of my hong kong visits one of my friends says yes 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 everybody you know in our this thing also they speak about self realization i said hold on <laughs> self realization whatever even where there is a genuine self realization uh, well self realization is one radiant step this self realization must extend into realizing the same self in everything and everyone it cannot just be the in, in me there is the self i have found but what about others and then when you find the same self there then the question arises that what's happening so this integral knowledge is not only about discovering the self that is the essence of all things and yet it must be discovered so shirobindo's take home uh, take off point is pretty high he is like a you know pilot who is flying from a high mountain peak so he says yes you must realize the self as he says in savitri is but one radiant space here to fulfill himself was god's desire so this knowledge of the divine should be able to give us the knowledge of everything in creation because god is in everything so this is the most logical and in fact in the isha upanishad that's how it is described yasmin vigyate vigyati sarvam by knowing which all else can be known so it is a complete reversal because the divine consciousness is in everything technically even to understand water there will be some mystery which can cannot be understood unless we know the divine become one with divine because that is the impelling 
force behind. So this reality that he brings out, you know, he speaks of, is not just a reality that you have found God inside or in, I am that, I am somebody above. Yes, that's fine. That's an um, important step. But by the extension, because the source is in everything, one who identifies with the source should be able to know everything about everything. And this question was literally asked to Shirobindo. Does it mean that mother knows every small little detail? First he said, including humorously, including what Lloyd George had for his breakfast. Then he says, technically, it is possible for a yogi to know everything. That's what even the mother says. But he may not take interest. Why would somebody take? He says, otherwise the mind will become like an encyclopedia. Everything in that consciousness is spontaneously registered, every event in the cosmos. We can't even imagine. Shrivindu writes that poem, Cosmic Consciousness, where he says that every stab, every pang, every kiss, everything I experience inside me. And that is how a yogi should experience who has risen to the highest consciousness. But he may not be interested in knowing. Why would one be interested in knowing all that? Yet, Shurabhinda says, if she wants, she can by a moment of concentration know everything. So this is the reality and the integral knowledge. And this integral knowledge and the aim of life, Shurabhinda speaks about four theories of existence and that we are by and large aware of. One theory is that there is the absolute divine from whom somehow creation has appeared. Then there is this theory, no, material universe is the only reality. This is another theory of existence. And it's all about nature. Then there is a theory that there is material existence and there is something beyond this existence which is, uh, you know, no, they don't use the word nature or a higher nature, but there are planes of consciousness. So it includes a larger vision of cosmos. So there is the material or the terrestrial, then there is the supraterrestrial, and there is the cosmic out of which everything, the great egg, and there is the absolute consciousness. And all these are different, different theories, valid in their own field. Shurabindu brings them together. So we have the integral knowledge and the aim of life. So all of them are one reality. The transcendent is not cut off from the cosmic. The cosmic is not cut off from the individual. Even though there are three different modes of one reality. And man must reclaim it. That's why the aim of life cannot just be self-realization or discovering the soul within. That is first step. Cosmic consciousness. Second step. Transcendent. Third step. And then that consciousness which holds them together. So in the Upanishad it is described as Jagrat, Swapna, Susupti and Turiya. The four states. In the Turiya, all of them are held together. So this should be the aim of existence. A big program. And so he has given us quite a long rope. That's why. <laughs> because it's not something which has been even conceived of, let alone to realize it. And of course we have the mother and the grace. And then we have the progress to knowledge, God, man and nature. These are the three things we want to know. Basically, everything hinges around these three things. Who am I? I need to know that. What is my relation with nature? And third is God. So these have been the three preoccupations of mankind right from its beginning. And depending upon our answers, we have a dealing with life, dealing with our fellow creatures, dealing with the earth. And it is, that's why it is important to understand this. If supposing we say that there is uh, nothing like God or God by an absolute existence, something which is supreme and all is nothing but a play of nature. 
and then you ask a human being to be good after having pulled the rug from below his feet. So it makes no sense. <laughs> Beyond a point, human beings will not be. So, based on our understanding, supposing we uh, have this understanding of God as somebody who punishes and rewards us, then our dealing with life also changes. Or if we have a God who is all compassionate and all blissful, then our dealing changes. So as human consciousness enlarges, its conception, understanding of who I am, who this nature, what this nature is and what this, um, the creator is, all this undergoes a change. So he reveals to us this process and the evolutionary process, ascent and integration. This is of course uh, most important because uh, we all know that in some exalted state, uh, sitting near the samadhi, we are in that wonderful ascent has taken place. And suddenly we, uh, you know, somebody shakes us or somebody shouts and somebody says something and then we lose everything. People often ask that why do we lose this gain? Because we have not integrated. And integration means the lower must be converted into terms of the higher. So it's not enough that in that state I felt deep peace and bliss. But the moment I stepped out, somebody told me, Doctor, you are not looking up to the mark. And suddenly I am drawn to my mortal self and identify with the body. It won't do. I should be able to say that, you know, whether I live or die, I am. This is the eternal reality. So we have to integrate. Every time there is an ascent and this ascent takes place through several layers. Say, higher mind. Then everything must be converted in that uh, mid or an illumined mind. Everything must be illumined and seen with a new light which has been acquired. Intuitive mind. And this everything literally means everything. We will see that subsequently. So, this is how every ascent must be followed by a integration of mind, life and body. And that's why this consciousness seems to withdraw or lost. But it is neither withdrawn nor lost. It is because it enters into the obscure chambers. It's like when a doctor learns in medical school along with his teachers. Everything looks wonderful. He can put a stethoscope and get all the murmurs right. And it makes it very good. That look, I can take the murmur correctly. When he comes in real practice, he doesn't rely on the stethoscope. He says, Eco Carvalho, you know, because he knows this is a much more reliable tool which is available. Hardly doctors now put a stethoscope and say there is a murmur. And then in real time, real life, you have to convert this knowledge into practice. That's why after medical school, we have internship for one year. You have learned, but how are you going to deal in real life? Uh, it's not a book knowledge. So basically integration is that this knowledge which has been acquired through an inner process has to be applied in real life, in real time and the mind, life and body should undergo a modification corresponding to this ascent. Then wonderful out of the sevenfold ignorance towards the sevenfold knowledge, we thought there is only one ignorance. We have been reading in all the spiritual literature that there is ignorance Remove this veil of ignorance and the divine is there. But what is this sevenfold ignorance? <laughs> like an unsparing perfectionist master, he says, see, what are the kinds of ignorance? Special ignorance. We think this is all, this at the most material universe. I don't know, there are universes beyond. 
टेम्पोरल इग्नोरेंस दिस लिटिल वेव ऑफ टाइम दिस इज वॉट आई एम बट इफ यू लुक एट इट वेन द स्टोरी बिगैन एंड वेयर इज इट गोइंग दीज थ्रेड्स आर नॉट इन अवर हैंड्स टेम्पोरल इग्नोरेंस कॉन्स्टिट्यूशनल इग्नोरेंस आई डोंट अंडरस्टैंड इवन द मैटर ऑफ विच दिस बॉडी इज कंपोस्ड I don't understand the forces that uh, that are working in, inside me. Constitutional ignorance. As a result of constitutional ignorance, there is psychological ignorance. I don't understand myself and the many parts. As a result of psychological and constitutional ignorance, there is the egoistic ignorance. I believe I am this little fellow out here, and a result of this ignorance, my actions are completely marred and deformed. i don't give the right response because i am living in this small little uh, nowadays there is a very uh, nice uh, phrase misuse i don't know how these phrases half phrases are picked up by the uh, i don't want to use the word and they are misuse so bubble uh, no you are living in your own bubble i said yes but my bubble is happens to be a little more bigger than yours so <laughs> <laughs> little i mean bubble so the moment you speak about spirituality this is bubble meaning thereby real life is something different no you have a better understanding of real life so the purpose of uh, uh, you know revealing to us that there is a sevenfold ignorance and as we come out of it look at it that we are so much bothered about one life its little relations and painful if we look at life in a larger perspective let's take the example of the child so if the child says something to you which you may not like many times many times children say things which you do not like equally parents may say thing you don't get cross and say out because you know hai to apne but with others we do that why because we don't understand we don't know that these are the people with whom we have related so many lives we have sat with them had food with them see this is how the geeta arjun says why you are being so meherwan upon me why are you so kind i don't know i am just a ordinary person if you look at arjuna's life profile it looks of course he is a valiant warrior not just valiant skillful in the real sense and he is a wonderful human being in 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 certain sense but not the most virtuous of the pandavas not the most uh, Uh, inward looking like sahadeva who was more not the most dharmnist which is you know yudhishthir neither even the strongest bhima nobody can compare with him and yet he is picked up for delivering the geeta so shri krishna says well you know arjuna we are old friends good friends what do you say sir oh since when are we friends oh when i gave this yoga to son and then to ikshvaku lineage the lineage of rama sir i don't understand all this now what is he doing he is removing his temporal ignorance now you see it changes the whole perspective it changes completely just for a moment uh, you know when mother was asked shobindu was asked why is it that we have come here people uh, have to do so many punyas and what not to have a glimpse of the divine what brought us to you so he, one of the things he says connection in previous lives mother says we have been together in previous lives you do not know it i know it connection in previous lives second is bhakti in previous life bearing fruits now we don't remember but it was a connection which has been forged long way so 
temporal ignorance then egoistic ignorance because i am i think i am just this formation i try desperately to defend and assert it against all life and the result we know that if a person has to realize his impotence in terms of trying to change others just try to change your husband or wife or child they are the nearest to you if you succeed after that we'll see <laughs> and people come for counseling as i see first try on one person okay if you succeed then we'll talk the rest <laughs> and if you can't succeed then come then we will talk about the next <laughs> so you you can't see this is a problem we have we give a wrong response we cannot change others according to us each one has to develop along his or her own line of evolution how much ever you may try it's an impossible venture it is bound to fail because each line is developing along its own evolution it has its evolutionary past it has its evolutionary future it has its present evolutionary stage and that's why we see shubindra says that what is his method of of the divine master he has all methods and no methods and to each one he carries along the lines meant for him this was the original sense of sanatan dharma that's why we never made a cult or sect though several sects and cults sprang out and we took them all because each is a unique approach to the infinite then comes the philosophy of rebirth why should there be rebirth if at all so he says there are several ways of understanding um, some feel that soul is nothing but some god breathed out like in a balloon you know <laughs> he breathed life into matter and uh, then this life continues because of him and then he absorbs it back so this is one understanding obviously very primitive understanding so the whole question is first of all is there something which is born again and again he takes up this question and he says that in a certain sense actually there is nothing which dies if you really look at that even the most material existence only changes form it becomes food for other forms and there it undergoes a transmutation same with life all the time life currents are circulating do they die a desire that's what buddhist buddhism speaks a very fascinating theory of rebirth it's mind boggling <laughs> that the example is very interesting that because there is no self there is no anatma so then but it speaks about rebirth and karma so very interesting he says you have gone along a stream and supposing you threw a stone up you have moved up further the stone has to fall it will fall on somebody who is trailing behind you it's an amazing kind of way of understanding life i have experienced a boy throwing stone for taking a mango and i saw i felt it is coming near me so i started shifting shifting to avoid and i was looking at it all the time and i have this penchant for landing in places where i am focused so it fell on my head right on the middle so i said concentration acha hai so i said this is interesting and i learned a lesson of life because when you drive away at least with it works with me if i see a pothole i am so focused on it that i go through it so i said whatever you focus upon tends to come near to you so better you fo- focus on the <laughs> instead of the pothole look at where you can go through that's where the focus should be <laughs> so anyways so he brings out that how the immortals there is there is something which is immortal and there's several ways through which he brings out of course um, nobody is a tabla rasa in the beginning this is one of the commonest ways now what this really soul is all that he describes in uh, at great length but then 
we'll come to that in the next chapter then he describes the order of the worlds so one theory is that there is this material universe and there is this divine so or whatever supreme uh, particularly in the european context we just don't understand that there are other worlds so when they do experiments on the soul it they who popularize the idea of ghost as the soul and we we are expert at picking up things you know and when it comes stamped omen oh what a wonderful movie of course as a movie it was wonderful but then you know we start uh, haunted graveyards and the soul then from there it, it changes into bhatakti atma and all this but that's not the reality it's just a vital part so then if this is only material universe and somehow the divine has impregnated it with soul then there should not be any thought there should not be any movement of life desires so many things where are they coming from so the logic of it is all these things are involved and they are the steps through which the involution has taken place the one consciousness limits it by degree by degree veils itself step by step because sudden veiling so step by step it veils itself and each veil becomes a world in its own right so it veils its all knowledge and becomes mind that's how mind has come out of the super mind it veils its consciousness force and becomes life it veils its existence and becomes matter so by veiling it there are several worlds which are created and he describes this something very interesting about all these worlds all these worlds have substance which is unique to that world so in the thought world what you think the form tends to take that shape it's plastic to thought that's why the gods of the mental world gods and goddesses can assume the shape shape that is in your head so if you are a worshipper of mother mary so the divine mother will appear as an apparition of mother mary but if you are a believer in you know what unfortunately is called as pagan gods the greek gods and you see ah ethne when shivendra describes ethne you feel it durga manifestation of maheshwari and mahakali and then she will appear in that apparition of the ancient goddess ethne but if you are a worshipper of durga she will appear as durga they are not three different goddesses they are the same goddesses but each is appearing according to the idea we have in the mind the conception in the mind gods can do that similarly the vital beings and vital forces so many times i'm sure many of us would have had this experience that a huge uh, fellow is coming whatever animal not worth naming and when you look at that animal without running away without fear suddenly it shrinks and that's why vital world creations are very fascinating like that look at dinosaur and the lizard it's real literally a lizard it loves this kind of a fascinating things so in the dream if you see a actual dinosaur not in the movie or real life and if you real life i mean material life uh, hopefully none exist so uh, you look at that and it shrink into a lizard you see a huge python and you look at it it will shrink into a shrivel into a small little uh, maybe even change its color it become like a yellowish uh, whitish color change itself so uh, in vital world it it the whole thing changes based on y- the vital state and it's so important even in everyday life supposing somebody comes to bully you there are 
beings who are vehicles of vital forces. Now, if you get scared, you see he will swell. And the more scared you go, grow, the more he swells. And the moment you remove fear and now look at him, because you have punctured that whole balloon, so he'll slowly, you know, come down, come down to size, come down to size. That is the way one deals with these forces. Because they are beings of the vital, they love this. This is how they, uh, they threaten us. This is how they want to uh, hold us captive. So fear must go away. That is what is shown in some of the movies. That if you get rid of fear, you get rid of a lot of uh, these forces which are trying to scare us. And then comes the uh, rebirth and other worlds, karma, the soul and immortality. So why there is rebirth, if at all? Now rebirth is a inevitable logical necessity if we concede a spiritual evolution. Because if we concede a spiritual evolution, then it is impossible to, logically impossible to conceive that in one lifetime, the soul will evolve into all its fullness. That's why the theory of transmigration is known in all um, systems of belief, which are of course uh, Indian born. Because we do believe that there is something in us which evolves. Of course, the evolution stops with man after which it has to go into the divine. That's where the defect lies or the limitation lies. But if there is to be an evolution of something which has entered, which is immortal, which changes form, then you have to have rebirth. Where there is no evolution, where only one term is given, whether you may be, whatever you may be doing, whether you cut a goat and or you cut a human being, uh, you just have to subscribe to a formal religion and at the end of uh, dropping off of the body, you are, when you rise from the grave one day, you will be granted a place in heaven or hell, depending on your belief. Now, there is no evolution there. So, it's very strange. So, and people believe in such things, but whatever it is, they have a right to believe, as long as they don't interfere with other people's belief. But rebirth is a logical necessity if there is evolution. And then what is really evolving? So obviously the surface personality and the body is lost. But what about the mind? What about certain tendencies? After death, they are there uh, carrying the soul. Then they also cannot go beyond a point. And literally this process is like the uh, spacecraft which sheds in different stages, different layers. So we shed the vital, then we shed the mind, mental sheath and finally the soul absorbing all the experiences. It takes all the important things and with that it enters into the lap of the divine. In the course of its journey, it passes through corresponding worlds. So the vital parts pass through vital worlds where we have uh, high and low experiences depending on the state at the time of death and the basic life we have led. So people often ask, what is the best preparation for death? So my answer is very simple. Life is the best preparation if you want to put it. <laughs> you can't escape that law. Because the life we lead will eventually uh, carry us through the different worlds. So this is how he describes the other worlds. And one interesting thing is, in traditional accounts of Vedanta, the way it is understood, again, evolution is there in the original Vedantic conception. 
that's how the soul develops to a point where it can turn to the supreme but how this takes place and actually what really evolves in the soul is not clarified there is something inside which is the soul now here shubindu brings in something very interesting and beautiful so there is the jivatma as the central being which has nothing to do with evolution directly but it has the original blueprint and there is the psychic being before it becomes the psychic being it's a little spark and every life through the experiences it grows all good and bad good and bad are minds way of looking at it pleasant unpleasant that's how the mind classifies the binaries so binaries are really they confuse our understanding binaries are important at one stage of evolution because you can't operate unless you put as good and bad and right and wrong that's at at a stage but when we look at things from the point of view of oneness it's not about binaries it's a progressive growth from the dark towards the light through many shades of gray and each of these shade is unique in its own right so this is the process and what is it that is evolving through all the experiences the psychic being and eventually where where is it evolving now shubindu comes to man and the evolution up to what point can it evolve now traditional account is man now again it makes an absurdity of the whole process because it doesn't require much speculation or philosophy to understand we are imperfect people and if our only merit is to have this soul discovered and release it then why did he, we enter into it at all so there shubindu says that no that's not the purpose that's one radiant step is required to extract the soul from its entanglement is important we must discover what this soul is not by thought not by an intellectual belief or creedal belief but by an actual real discovery for which we have to step back from the surfaces of form and name from appearances then discover the soul within but this is not where our evolution ends nor with the souls merger in the divine so he speaks about the evolution of the spiritual man and then we understand that all that has been happening so far the saint the sage the seer the yogi the mystic all these are nature's early experiments it is not the culmination not the spiritual fulfillment i often quote this little uh, poem that dilip kumar roy sends to shirbindo that someone has written hail he didn't use the word shri but i'll use it hail shirbindo then he says the last of the rishis so this is sir we have no chance because you are the last one he said no he is quite right because after this we won't have rishis but the superman something greater is going to come we the more we look towards you know look backward oh such a big rishi first of all we have all strange notions of rishis if you look at the life of rishis they are never those those kamandalu and dand people who are sitting in forest they are passionate creatures they compose poetry they educate they are warriors they are counselors ministers they are not ordinary human beings we you know that's an ascetic we have only one type you know sanyasi and the bare minimum clothes is the greatest the sanyasi that's not what in the rishis yogis what a yogi can be he lord rama is a yogi he is not just the avatar and the he is a yogi so when at one point of time when 
this fellow Indra's brother comes to him what does he do picks up a little uh, blade of grass and throws at him only yogi can do this and that blade of grass haunts him so we have shri krishna look at the yog yogeshwar he is sitting on the chariot and everybody is say bbc had to write a report on the mahabharata war what it will write under shri krishna footnote a milkman or a cowherd's man who drove the chariot of arjuna it is reported not confirmed that he used to play the flute and people were very charmed he was a very good flute player <laughs> so that's krishna but those who have known krishna <laughs> they know that silently by the power of yoga yoga ishwaryam that's how we say look at my uh, i'll show you the ashwarya that comes through yoga and then he says everything he is conducting arjuna has seen that that everything none else but krishna is conducting so that's what a yogi is so but the superman will be even something still greater greater we should not think in terms of aggrandizing i want to become a superman <laughs> superman will be equally more humble because the greater we are the more humble we are that's how shubindo writes about god o thou who pervadest all the worlds below yet sittest above master of all who work and rule and know servant of love thou who disdainest not the worm to be nor even the clod therefore we know by that humility that thou art god so it is infinity that's look at the original humility infinity became infinitesimal so all who become one with the divine become servants that's how mother has said those who become one with the source become servants not uh, not like those who are you know despotic masters that is their sign look at mother and shubindo taking pains to you know scrub a child's ink has fallen on the child's skirt for two hours she is doing that making the child feel so happy and playing with her and this is what they become a child gets hurt and you know she is rubbing off putting nice medicine and giving some chocolates and the boy is smiling father is she is falling much later this is jagdeshwari so this is where the evolution of the spiritual man is not over these are only initial touches the rare exceptional sanyasi the rare exceptional seer and sage all this have been for a reason and a purpose taken into the background that's why people say where are the seers now well because god is wanting to create something new the new mold that's why the pure type of humanity the fourfold order that is all gone and what is going to come is something marvelous and you can see a glimpse in the children sometimes many times i have seen children who communicate as a child what would appear like kabir ji ki bani that experience a part but it's getting in in built they are being programmed like that so this is how the evolution of the spiritual man which will lead towards the fullness of the manifestation of the spiritual consciousness which is involved in matter the steps are the triple transformation the psychic spiritual and the supramental so first step is to bring out the soul which is secret within us this occult hidden part and there are ways and means through which one brings it out but 
definitely stepping back from the surface appearances. Anybody who is all the time caught in the flow and flux of life, who believes in every WhatsApp message that is forwarded and everything that comes on BBC uh, is not ready for the deeper soul emergence. He can be happy with it. No, <laughs> nobody should convert anyone. But first step is to discover something deep within. It doesn't come by scholarly articles on does a soul exist or not exist. It doesn't come like that. This light comes not by struggle or by thought. So one has to take the pilgrim staff of faith and the light of aspiration. Go inside. Let's find it. It's worth the effort. And of course, as it comes out, there are signs. And the first sign of the emergent soul is love for truth, beauty and good. Then later, love for God, the God seekers, the God lovers. And then of course in everything to see God. This is the fullness of the soul. And that we see as the psychic being gets touched, there is a spontaneous feeling, uh, we may use the word resonance, with those who are God lovers and God seekers. Very strange. They look more family family than the typical family. Automatically. Nobody tells you to do this or that way. Why? Because it instinctively uh, understand that there, there is a deeper spiritual family which is together. And then of course the spiritual transformation where the uh, mind opens up and there is the ascent and descent of higher and higher forces, higher and higher states of consciousness, peace and light and wideness and bliss, uh, four main aspects. Peace of the static self, bliss of the dynamic self, peace is Sri Aurobindo and bliss is the Divine Mother <laughs> and of course we have wideness and we have all these light is the descent, the descent of light. So all these higher and higher states come with love as, as, you know, as the crown after they have established their own workings and love comes, descent of strength, all these things come from above as it opens. Now, it's always safer. Shobindo reminds us in the life divine and everywhere that first let the soul emerge. If the soul is not emerged and one opens above to the spiritual consciousness entering the system, it may get upset. First it will upset all the values. Because the mental values don't hold anymore. You stop respecting people just because they are... They happen to be born a little earlier. That sounds <laughs> Just because you were born in uh, 1940, I should respect you. I happen to be 1960. No, that's not the way. So, that's obviously absurd. We all know that. Uh, people say, no, but more experience. But you see, more experience is like this. I often say this, that our surgeons, so when a new technique comes, so the old surgeon has lot of experience but in the old method which has proved to be not that good. So experience works both ways. It limits us also into a limited bandwidth and closes doors to an ever new creative vision of the spirit. But the spiritual consciousness does open that. The same moment is never repeated. The same thought clothes itself in many, many forms of words. So this is where the uh, spiritual transformation and then of course the last is supramental. There is a complete change and there the basis of supramental transformation is oneness and unity and not division as we see here. But it is unity in diversity 
and not only unity in diversity because the super mind is where the one and the many both it holds the secret so it knows the right law of each thing and each being that's why the mother never had a standard format and people who don't understand it they often make a dogma picking up one aspect mother never liked the moment you say this you are in abysses of falsehood who can say what she liked and didn't like <laughs> mother herself has said and to their stupidity they add to their stupidity by saying by quoting me and say mother does not like this mother likes that she says they add to their stupidity you don't know that's good enough <laughs> but when he say mother never and that too you know we put our tone mother never approved of this mother would do this then slowly we are leading towards a god who is very far from who she is infinite love and compassion so there is no one format super mind has each one's right law that's why in this yoga for god's sake for mother and shurvinder's sake nobody can be a substitute guru because that kind of movement i see sometimes people so and so is a guru you can have an elder brother that's okay or an elder sister gone little we are holding hand walking together we learn from each other somebody has gone a few steps no no there is a snake out in the corner just be careful that's okay maybe you should take this road it's a little better when you climb through nanital in those mountains no you have those chhota rasta you have the pony rasta and you have the so now how do you advise that you can't say let's take the small rasta for everybody you will make some people trip you will see a person and say nahi nahi you take this route somebody else who is more adventurous you will say take this route otherwise there is going to be chaos like once my friend told me we'll go on pony up because i was bit tired i said car lene alok ji pony bahut acha lagega i said okay <laughs> i don't mind somebody will take me so on the way the pony is you know is slipping so i told him that you know it he also i never experienced so he asked the pony master uh, <laughs> bhai theek to hai it's okay he said yes sir several times the pony has gone up like this so before we could take a sigh of relief he added only once in a while it falls <laughs> now you are counting your chances when did it fall last but he did a good thing instead of focusing on the pony we became ma 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 i said okay if that be the case we have our ma ma, ma mantra vati so but you see you can't give the same thing to everyone even indian thought in sanatan dharma understood this you can't prescribe the same thing for every human being be non violent what do you do to a kshatriya so this is how each individual evolves so the super mind has the law of the right not only about human beings each creature and the way if one wants to understand how the super mind operates and then the chapters ascend towards super mind the gnostic being what a gnostic being will be just read the life of mother and shivinto very often people miss out on that because they think philosophy and all that but they don't understand the moment you read mother and shivinto's life you understand oh that's how the gnostic being is everything she has to pick out the vegetables and she is conscious 
picking out which ones are ready, which ones are not ready. You have to still break the bindis. Doesn't look nice whether it's pakki or kachi. But she could just, you know, do it. Now, this is the Gnostic beings dealing with cats, dogs, everybody. And if we try to make a religion out of it, how dangerous it can be. One cannot. So, the mother at one place says about X that uh, she has kept many cats with her because somebody told her that mother loves cats. This is very common, you know, by the way. Mother loved cats. So, she says, but they don't understand that at a point of time, there was an experiment I was doing with cats. So she called cats. But at the same time, she was aware of everything. So she was not like, keep cats and dogs and don't, uh, you know, just take care of them. She would say many things. You can love, of course, nothing wrong with loving an animal. But don't, it's something beautiful, by the way. But don't start saying that I love cats because mother loved cats. Mother loves the whole creation. But with each one, she's doing something different. You can't practice, you know, misapply it. Uh, that's why someone has said this world suffers much more by the misapplication of truth than by actual falsehood. <laughs> misapplication of truth becomes a falsehood. So all that, the supramental Gnostic being, the ascent towards supermind and the important take-home point is there will be several steps and stages. There is not going to be an ascent straight away from the mental man into the supramental being. And the mother speaks about many intermediary species. There will be different degrees of Homo sapiens supramentalis. So, in fact, Shivindu speaks about two names from two roots. Because somebody says, sir, but he's not intellect, you know, goes into that wideness and all that because he has heard the word wideness. And then Shubhinda says, but who told you that homo psychicus, if homo intellectualis can be wider, who told you that homo psychicus will not be deeper, more intense? Now you see, these are two roots human beings take. In heavens of the ideal, we see these two roots through the mind, creating one kind of a higher humanity, other through the heart, another kind of a higher humanity. Integrating the two, a third kind of higher humanity and several layers and steps. So it's not like from mental man, suddenly we woke up one day and said, Chalo ho gaya, now we are supramental being. It's a long journey from the chimpanzee to highest ape to human being. There were nine subspecies and almost all have gone except the modern man, Homo sapiens erectus. This what the uh, is surviving, all else has gone. So there will be many species, many effort. So it's a wonderful journey. Uh, we are all part of that grand program. So the Gnostic being will be created in steps and stages. And this is the first necessity before we can talk about the divine life. Divine life is where all is beautiful, harmonious, lovely and true. So that's why when mother was asked that, you know, uh, often we do this, you know, Nalida was asked. Why there is conflict between Auroville and Ashram and society and this and that? Is it for the moment? Let each one develop in their own way. <laughs> there is a reason all this is allowed. She says when people will grow into the Gnostic consciousness, then automatically the harmony will come. Don't try by external artificial means. Sometimes people try. Okay, let's have a oneness program, pick up two from here, two from... Okay, fine, 
one wants to do something because we as human beings feel good if we do something but the real something that we have to do is to rise into the gnostic consciousness it's only when there are some number reasonable number of gnostic beings that there can be a divine life upon earth it means that now evolution will no more be through the process of ignorance but it's like mental man now consciously handles even the evolutionary process though he is messing with it obviously he is modifying the genes but this thought has come now what he is doing he is uh, trying to enter into the evolutionary process of nature and change it by the power of the mind obviously mind is an ignorance so it is bound to create uh, its own repercussions side effects every mental uh, this thing has side effects creation but the super mind will do it and do it with much more finish and mastery so we have to wait for that divine life the mother once spoke about it passingly to amal kiran one day because you know like things like polio hereditary diseases she said one day we should be able to cure all this right now because there is a strong stamp of matter it is still under the spell of inconscience so it doesn't easily work you can push it back you can uh, change the course you can affect the prognosis i have seen that actually prithvi singh nahar is another classic example where due to a hereditary condition his eyes were supposed to lose all sight um, by the time he was 35 what work mother gave him type out shurbin those letters he said but mother i am i'll be losing my sight very soon don't worry and till 70 he continued but of course he had to bring the script very close to his eyes literally move his eyes like script like this but he was an authority on what shurbindo has written if anybody could decipher it was prithvi singh nahar so eyes fulfilled <laughs> authority on reading what shurbindo has written he could just do it by this so this is another part of experiment also when supermind is established the whole heredity issue will change spirituality right now is not inherited but it can be inherited this is one of the experiment which is going on and this inheritance is not just about souls choosing a parent even at the most material level you may choose there can be these modifications which take place so that the very matter is much more ready to reveal the spiritual consciousness so these are things in the future so divine life will form first in islets not at one place and then they will grow here there exactly like mental man evolved in several places and then they met together initially they fought with each other <laughs> but you know conflict is the first stage of um harmony let <laughs> me put it like that conflict is because i don't understand each other but a being who is evolving will end up understanding each other so it's quite likely that these different islets where evolution will take place in different ways and there is no one way so very often we say this is good this is right this is wrong way we don't know let's admit that as long as people have something at the core they will evolve in their own ways leave them to their own ways and you'll see over a period of time all this will leave it to the all wise wisdom let me put it like that
those who are meant to go through will go through through all these challenges because it's a completely new thing so this what shrivindo reveals to us and maybe i can just read the last passage why all this gets opened i don't know um i don't understand capture a quick note i didn't even ask for any note okay anyways so i think i've got it so i can still so as we know the life divine was several times corrected uh, is one book where shurabindo took a lot of interest other than savitri savitri of course is unique last passage from the life divine the chapter is the divine life which is the 28th chapter of book 2 if there is an evolution in material nature and if it is an evolution of being with consciousness and life as its two key terms and powers this fullness of being fullness of consciousness fullness of life must be the goal of development towards which we are tending and which will manifest at an early or later stage of our destiny that's what evolution must create it has created like that so far the self the spirit the reality that is disclosing itself out of the first inconscience of life and matter would evolve its complete truth of being and consciousness in that life and matter that's why it has come here to work in the mud and bring out of the mud the rose the orchid and the lotus it would return to itself and now you see very powerful it's like literally krishna is telling arjuna fight either conquer nobly or perish nobly don't withdraw so look at this sentence very inspiring it would return to itself or return to itself through the fullness or if its end as an individual is to return into its absolute it could make that return also not through a frustration of life but through a spiritual completeness of itself in life it's not like returning back and saying dwar agya mein bhuka nanga it's not like that gather the riches which are given by him and offer it at his feet this what life is meant for not denuding depriving itself the depravity where did this ideal of poverty and depravity came in human consciousness at some point this is not what is the ancient indian ideal and look how shubhna takes it it when if you have to return return with fullness so that you can consciously dwell on whatever planes or whichever planet you have to go not uh, not as you know impoverished creatures our evolution in the ignorance with its checkered joy and pain of self discovery and world discovery its half fulfillments its constant finding and missing is only our first state it must lead inevitably towards an evolution in the knowledge a self finding and self unfolding of the spirit a self revelation of the divinity in things in the true power of itself in nature which is to us still a supernature and in that process as he has described the first thing that will happen is out of the mental man the first stair where he'll you will be pause a little is the intuitive man the intuitivized intelligence 
and then the supramental. But there will be many intermediate steps. So it's a wonderful journey, long journey. And we must pack our bags with everything, but never to forget that it's her journey in us, in matter and in life. It's her journey in all of us. Namaste. Namaste.